Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. The podcast where we delve deeper into landscape business, interviewing legends of the UK landscaping industry. So, join host Nick Ruddle as he explores their thoughts, insights and experiences. That's here on the Grow Landscapers podcast. Hi and welcome to the Grow Landscapers podcast. I'm Nick Ruddle and today we're joined by someone who's highly respected in the industry, Alistair Bayford from Maylin. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks Nick. Looking Very forward good. to um, the next 30 minutes or so. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. It's going to be good. Um, lots of uh, lots of stuff to discuss. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you because, you know, I know that you've been in the industry a very long time. Um, but unlike many of our guests we've had on the show so far, you come from a landscape architect background. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective from that kind of um, side of the fence. So um, sure. but also lots of Bali Awards, Chelsea Flower Show Awards along the way. You know, so I think um, pretty much uh, well qualified to make it onto our podcast. And you've been recommended by a few very um, well-respected people. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I'm honoured, honoured to be. Uh, yeah, but both recommended and and share. I guess um, I'm always up for sharing uh, experiences in in the career to perhaps inspire others and and open up opportunities um, in the industry. So yeah, well, that's why we're here, and that's why I created this podcast is really to, to learn from people that have already been successful. And um, I know a lot a lot of people who have already had on the show also, you know just ask you know to share your ideas share your knowledge you know it's very abundant like that so it's a, it's a lovely industry to be in so let's get cracking then shall we so how long have you been in the industry i've written here uh it depends whether you want the the legal um or the legally compliant answer or the non um i i first accessed the industry when i was about eight years old i'd say I used to go along uh oh. to my dad's um, place of work. He was a landscape manager. He used to manage quite a big estate. Uh, but if I wind the clock right back, um, family 
used to grow plums on the North Kent coast. Um, that business eventually was sold because as a population, we wanted cheap plums from, from South Africa mm. and further afield. Um, so I've always had horticulture stroke agriculture in my, in my blood, so to speak. Um, and my grandfather used to kind of grow and sell fuchsias. So at the tender age of, you know, just a knee high, I was uh, taking and striking fuchsia cuttings. Um, and that's where my love of, I guess, horticulture stemmed from. Yeah. Um, I then progressed into obviously that course of secondary school um work experience year came up uh went to see a careers advisor what do you want to do um my interests were in i guess geography biology art um i said landscape architecture that appeared to be too complex for him uh, <laughs> because it wasn't in his list of right, yeah. uh, careers or, or he didn't have access to employers so he said to me, if you can find someone, by all means, do that. So I cold called a local practice, uh, Liz Lake Associates. Mm -hmm. I then went and completed my week um, of work experience there and had an amazing time. Um, it was at that point that they were working on the Grove um, in Chandler's Cross, which was a big hotel conversion stroke uh, kind of golf course creation project. Yeah. Um, I was floating uh, large kind of airships up on the corners of the uh, building footprint and, and doing the visual impact assessment for that extension. Right. Um, then I went back there pretty much every summer. Um, and Liz was was a very common kind of um, feature in my career, you know, a, a great mentor for me. Um, and she kind of said, if you want to make it, access the world of of the wider built environment sector so i worked in a plant nursery um once you've potted up um a hundred of something you soon get to kind of recognize it mm. i then went and worked for a contractor uh, both on the groundwork side and on the finishing side um so by the time i started my i suppose university undergrad degree at Rittle. I was had a well-rounded view of the industry. Um, and a lot of people ask me why I went to Rittle. Um, the fundamentals of this industry and its success of it is we deal with two elements, soil and plants. You know, that, that that's what the industry is renowned for. Yes, we do lots of hard landscaping and the like, but I wanted the fundamentals of a science degree um, behind me. You know, I love horticulture. I know how to grow and place plants, but I wanted that foundation. So I went to Rittle. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did my postgrad at Greenwich, um, joined Liz Lake as a, I suppose, a fully fledged uh, landscape architect um, and obtained my chartership with them. So 2008 became a chartered landscape architect. And then the Olympics came along. Um, so I worked for Lee Valley Regional Park Authority as a project manager. So on the client side, overseeing um, their works on the park and the Olympic Fringe, um, and then got a phone call in 2011 from uh, Nick Templehild at um, what was then the Landscape Group um, to go across and mobilise the estate's management contract at Olympic Park and rebuild a construction offering in London and the South East. Um, was there for just over kind of nine years and, and then moved to Malim last September. Wow. <clears throat> so uh, really was in your blood. I mean, eight years old, 
um, whether that's legal or not. I think you know you're just helping the old man out. I suppose. Yeah, I've, yeah. Have I've, I've, I've got white? You know, have I been exposed to hand-arm vibration from an early age? Who knows? But um, yeah. Yeah, well, it was great fun. He's still alive to tell the tale, so um, hopefully, so far, so good. Very good, very good. So, um, so you've been in in the industry a very long time, even before you went to college. I mean, you, you the practical experience you had, you know, is is far greater than probably anyone else who I've spoken to uh, about it. And then to get the formal qualifications and really, you know, the the science behind it, I think is really, really important. Um, good. So, um, so been in the industry. What? How long? How long is that? Is then about? Yeah, it's about 23, 23. 23 to twenty seven years of of kind of. Wow impacting in the industry and you know i love the industry it's yeah, yeah it's great it's such a rewarding place to be for for numerous reasons which i'm sure we'll we'll explore yeah, um, yeah so many so many great people so abundant and um so much knowledge and just nice good eggs aren't they just look really good nice um genuinely uh helpful people so um so what made you join um mailing them what was it that made you join where you're currently at i guess you you all get to a point in your career um and you you know what you're good at and you know what excites you um and delivering high quality public realm in london mm. is something that excites me um and i've always looked up um i mean certainly in the early years there was the three w's so there was the willoughby's whiting's waterers back then um you always kind of look up and aspire to be um i suppose like them mm. um and i've always kind of respected what um tom and, and the leadership team at mailham have have achieved in the last 20 years um the opportunity came along and i guess that that's you either take it or you or you don't so i i did and um you know really settled in um kind of in i'm in a business development role uh, but it, it covers numerous things from ESG through to our net zero journey through to developing new markets and, and developing the business in new areas. So um, probably applying a lot of my skills um, learned over the years in, in building, I suppose, business units within larger businesses um, and managing, you know, a, and extending a, a new client base. Brilliant. So, so when you started mailing, well, started working at mailing, what was the business like then? I mean, how many people in terms of are the offices the same? The 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 kind of work you get involved with, the turnover. I mean, have you seen any changes in those things over the years? Um, I guess if I, it's probably more appropriate kind of previous experience where, I mean, when I was at ID Verdi, I started a construction offering with zero turnover and grew it um to circa 10 million in wow. the space of of kind of nine years pretty impressive um and there was a big jump in kind of 2018 where we we doubled turnover um you know from four to eight um and then you know i, I think with with mailing and the history of themselves i mean they've essentially grown in the last 20 years, primarily from, you know, a labor only subcontractor to, to a, a principal contractor themselves, mm. you know, delivering uh, lower value um, works right at the beginning to, to, you know, large contracts. So, you know, 10 million plus um, mm. major civil engineering and external works contracts for, 
you know both um big tier ones like uh, mace multiplex and the like yeah uh, to, to to leading them themselves so you know more recently projects like exchange square for for british land um and regent's place for british land it, it's almost a case of you know they, they were certainly a step up for me um you know coming from primarily local authority public sector client base um and it, it's given me that i suppose that access and rewards that i would perhaps not not have accessed um where i was before yeah nice to get your teeth stuck into something different as well isn't it another yeah, challenge, yeah, fresh challenge. Yeah, very good otherwise you do sort of you, know, you want more challenges don't you because you can set get a bit stale in, in in one role if you don't think you're sort of developing or you think you've got more to offer yeah. so um okay so from your years of, of building the companies you've been at and developing those what do you think um the most important elements are to running a successful business There's a yeah. question. i've got a list right i mean it's open-ended isn't it but uh, i mean top of that list is cash Cash, cash is king yeah um you know you you it's no good set on the balance sheet um it's something i learned very early on had a great um fd um and then ceo in doug graham um he taught me that um you know i, I think you can't run a business without cash yeah. um, so that that that's i'd say primarily uh, next is people yeah definitely. um we are so reliant on people um whether that be directly employed or subcontractors or agency we you know the likes of myself and other business leaders cannot achieve what they want to achieve without people um and with that i've kind of put succession you know i think our lives and business are based on succession planning mm. uh, i've always developed people on that basis you know we always um rag status individuals in, in terms of you know those that are flight risk those are you know have capacity and aptitude and desire to progress mm. uh, so succession planning is is key and i think in my world you know i've worked for you know private equity backed businesses and local authority and i suppose now a, a, a privately owned business um you know exit plans i think a lot of people in business often forget that you know certainly if it's their own what does the business look beyond my involvement mm. uh, you know and an exit strategy exit plan for for those leaders of businesses is often slightly overlooked because i think whatever you do um you always plan it might, it might certainly in my world whether i own a business or not for tomorrow you know if i'm not here yeah who, who's sitting in my seat yeah that's really important um planning you know business planning i think a lot of your uh, guests have, have talked about you know, robust business plans. I've been intrigued listening to them as to their different approaches. So some mm. have long-term business plans and other, you know, have very short-term, you know, 12-week, yeah. run a business on a uh, on a quarter, uh, which is something that, that really applied in my days at Ardy Verdi. Um, plan for risk. You know, we, we live in a very volatile, up-and-down world, particularly in construction, where risks uh, do exist. Yeah. Communication, engagement, that's absolutely key, whether that's, you know, externally with clients, um, internally with with people. Um, and I've got service to clients. You know, we, we're we a business, whether you're B2B or B2C, we are reliant on a client base. Um, you're as good as your last job. Um, so that's something that, that is incredibly important. Um, and I kind of put the, the bits that, 
set you out. So what is your USP? You know, innovation is absolutely key, um, standing out from what is a saturated market? You know, there, there's lots of people doing this at various scales. And it doesn't matter whether you're a million turnover business, a 200,000 or a multi-million turnover business. You, you know, your sales and, and who you're working for are, are paramount. And, and today, more importantly than ever, we, when you look at both diversity challenges, skills, climate change, biodiversity emergencies, I think we all need to innovate. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and as I've said, I suppose last one on here is, is authentic leadership. Mm, expand on that well I've, I've you know in my career I've, I've had the benefit of great leaders and not so great leaders yeah yeah um and authenticity and leadership is is absolutely key you know transparency let's talk about the good the bad and the ugly and yeah. i think a lot of people and certainly something i've learned over over the years is if you don't talk about the problems mm. they never get fixed um and they can be catastrophic problems or they can be you know at the start insignificant but actually manifest themselves into something more they tend to don't they They don't tend to go away they tend to get bigger yeah yeah absolutely communicate yeah. early enough you know you can and, avoid a lot of that stuff and, and i remember you know first pnl i i oversaw that you know i think there were a couple of really tricky months um and you know i almost feared it was probably that what have I, you know, what have I learned? What mistakes I made? You, you fear that mm. um, call to say, you know, we we've made a loss this month, mm. you know, and the, for whatever reason, whether it's you know people looking at you as you're incapable of of kind of looking after it, but mm. you know that, that's what you know. I remember a conversation with Doug. It, it doesn't matter what it is, good, bad, or ugly. Yeah, you need to be able to plan for it. You know, if we're going to make a loss, how do we fund that? Yeah. yeah, if you don't know about it, you don't talk about it. How can you fix it? Yeah. There's no point in burying your head in the sand and hoping it goes away because that would just be very, uh, um, well, it just won't, won't really get you where you need to get to, really. You're no. irresponsible to do that, especially when you've got so many mouths to feed. You've got to face up to these things and yeah, definitely. You know, take ownership as a business owner. Wow, there's some brilliant things in there. I mean, unbelievable. And I, th I hope people do sort of take some of these things away. You know, cash is king. I mean, it, it, at the moment where we are uh, in, the, in the economy and looking to go into a massive recession potentially, um, the people that have the cash and and have nice little sort of um, uh, nest eggs there, you know, they're going to be able to ride anything, you know. Yeah. So um, and having the right people looking after your people um, and planning ahead, planning ahead. You know, if you plan ahead, less things become urgent. So the more you're in control, the more you can foresee things and you can plan and adapt for those kind of things. And if you've got the right people on the bus, you know, they'll they'll, you know, step up to the up to the plate and um, and you'll you'll be fine and better off when you come out the other side as well tend to be um you know survival of the fittest very good cool right so um what other little questions do i have for you here today then um what are the biggest mistakes that you personally may have made you alluded to to some there you know about maybe the pnl but you know what lessons did you learn from any mistakes that you, that you may have yeah I kind, of, I kind of jumped into that kind of reporting good bad or ugly i, I mean i put vulnerability you know vulnerability in your early career mm. is how you might perceive to be um and i think we can often shy away from the difficult dis dis discussions decisions when you're at the start of your career so that, that's something i've learned uh, along the way mm. um firmness your client isn't always right mm. um and i think sometimes as business owners or people in the business leading um divisions 
can often fall into that world of client pleasers or you know always saying yes yeah putting yourselves under pressure um of course there's there's always that um constructive way of communicating that so that so you don't sour a relationship but you know i've always been um a yes person mm. sometimes to my detriment yeah um which means you know the sacrifices you're making are, are probably more than you should um in business so that's that's probably the biggest mistake i've made along the way where you've you've either overstretched yourself or the team around you because you you've said yes when you perhaps should have said no yeah it's easy to say yes but no seems to be one of the hardest words letters but one of the hardest words for people to say because i I think we we get it's almost that if i say no what does that mean for the future you know and, and in our world does the client find another contractor and then that relationship is built and you lose that client. So, but equally, if, if you say yes and you put yourselves under pressure, you're more likely to fail yeah, yeah. Um, in that sense. Yeah. I think they respect you more if you do say no occasionally. And for these reasons why, you know, you can justify it. It's just not no for, for the sake of it, but you know, I think they're, they lean on your, your, your expertise really. And if you say, look, actually that's not really going to work, then that's what they're paying you for, I suppose yeah. as well. So, yeah, but it's the same with a lot of people, isn't it? They say, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. And then end up not charging for stuff as well. And, you know, just, just a bit of a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, okay. Then. So um, w- would you say that those were major setbacks? You know, is that a major thing for you or is there any one big kind of uh, challenge that you had um, that you had to overcome um, if there was something like that you know some major obstacle you faced up to it you did something about it what was the outcome have you got any examples yeah I think without getting on a soapbox about skill shortage and, and people shortage but you know I think that's been the biggest challenge uh, throughout my career finding good people um, and I remember mobilizing um, the Olympic Park contract and it was just me and a van in a big car park with no team. There was no transferring workforce. Um, and we had a contractual obligation to recruit from the host boroughs. Believe me, people in the boroughs of Newham and Waltham Forest didn't know what horticulture was, let alone aspired to be <laughs> in horticulture. Yeah. And I think when, when people ask me what is my, I, I suppose, what is my proudest reward for being in this industry, it's walking back to Olympic Park now and seeing people that weren't in the industry uh, 10 years ago that I took through their kind of boot camp yeah. uh, to get them ready for work, to take them through their MBQ level one, two, and three and see them running the park. They're still uh, there. Running it. They're, they're still there. And it's, I think we'll always as business struggle with the people. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, it's always been the biggest challenge and hurdle for me because if you've got them, if you've got access to knowledge, um, you can solve anything. That that that's you know I've never shied away from a project that's challenging, mm-hmm. um, because you you find a way, um, and you find the the knowledge and the expertise that you need to deliver it. Um, yeah, it's so important to have the right people with the right skills and attitude, mindset, and like you yeah. say, there there's a lot less of those than there are you know, maybe some of the kind of uh, employees that you wouldn't want. Yeah, you know, um, but it's finding them. When you do find them, obviously look after them and um, treat them well, wrap them up in cotton wool, and um, why would they want to go anywhere else? You know, enrich yeah. their lives and give them opportunities, train them, develop them, um, and they're worth investing into, aren't they? Those people. Um, 
Okay, then. So uh, what three ideas, three tips would you give to someone, um, anyone listening now, um, to improve the efficiencies and profits of a business, if you've ever been involved in that kind of that side of, of things? Uh, uh, planning is is key. Um, I think matching matching resource um, to to what you're you, you've got in the order book is is absolutely paramount. Um, I mean, it, in a grounds maintenance business, you know, efficiencies. You, you, people are your biggest cost. So, finding efficient ways of working and and planning your routes and rounds are, are key to to kind of minimise that and and the likely impacts of that are also reduction in fuel costs and you know the other overheads that that might be um, required for that business um in construction it, it's certainly more focused on materials relationships with suppliers and um, we talk about buying gains but you know buying gains aren't just about what it costs it's service yeah. it's pointless paying two pounds less for a cubic meter of soil and it never turning up yeah yeah that's um, and, you, and you're yeah. looking down on lads um but you know we can often be chasing profit you know yes businesses need to be making profit mm. uh, profit for reserves profit for investment profit for shareholders or you know if you're employee owned trust for, for the employees but i think sometimes people can be too focused on bottom line and sacrifice quality and service yeah. um, uh, so I, I think in in all respects you almost need to be true to your values and deliver on what you've promised uh, over and above cutting a corner or or looking at a number and saying that that doesn't meet our you know overall expectations brilliant brilliant when i talk to you i can hear just see the depth of knowledge you have and all the experience you've had over the years when you when you bring things like that out and i think you know um it's priceless information for people to 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 latch on to and to and to focus on because yes you've got to make a profit but there's so many different ways profit is a, is is a byproduct of doing everything else really really well and yeah, if you yeah, deliver well you buy well you, you choose the right suppliers you've got all these elements that can directly affect the profitability and the gross margin of a, of a, of a project um, and if you just focus on doing that brilliant job and everyone does and everyone's working in the right way consistently you're going to get profit anyway so you can't focus on the yeah. profit the profit is a byproduct of 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 actions it's an outcome of activity yes yeah, definitely definitely and, and i guess the one thing that i always run you know any business by is uh, let's not necessarily get excited about gross profit Let, let's look at ebitda because ultimately that's what's left after you've taken off your overhead after you've taken off your tax your, exactly. uh, and the rest of it so we, we've always tracked performance based on ebitda because yeah. well, that's you know, what really counts at the end of the day yeah i think i think the, the gross margin is is a, a vital financial kpi definitely definitely but yeah. you've got to know what your break-even gross margin is so that you know that anything above that you will be making good profit yeah your EBITDA yeah. so um but it's amazing how many people um who I speak to and start coaching don't really understand the importance of that gross margin and and even in their quotes that go out sometimes they go they don't have that kind of calculation in there it's just like well there's the cost there's direct labor there's materials oh we'll whack on a, an extra you know percentage on top and but that, that's about as scientific as sometimes it gets yeah. but they've not had the, the knowledge you know the, the experience or the education of, of of the financial side of running a business but as we all know it's probably the most well, one of them if not the most um, important yeah. places to to put your efforts okay very good very good loads of uh, 
gold nuggets in uh, in our conversation today, Alistair. Um, so I think you've touched on my next question already about being the most rewarding. What part of being in business you found the most rewarding? So it's developing people by the same. Definitely, definitely developing people and then environmental change. You know, we work in an industry that mm. makes significant change. We work in an industry where, you know, you know the climate change um, solution is being focused on, you know, the, almost mitigating climate change through what we do so yeah. um, it's great to go back to a space that's been transformed as a result of your work and even to go back there 10 years later um and see it established is is even more rewarding yeah well the fact that you're making a difference to the world as well you know what you're doing as a, as a result of your actions you're making a positive difference to the sustainability you know part of yeah. our planet yeah. and um and it's only going to get more and more and more and more important going forward as you know um, which is a great thing, obviously. Um, so if you could give any advice to someone who's currently sitting in their business, whether they're um, a landscape contractor, a designer, an architect, landscape architect, or anyone within a business, um, that they're stuck and they can't really see the wood for the trees, don't know what, to, what, what step to take next, what kind of advice would you give to them? It's quite simple. Look up, look out. There, there is a wealth of difference out there in the industry um you know what are your competitors doing that yeah. you're not um what innovations are coming through that that can change the direction of travel for your business try different offerings you know it does what you do your capabilities and and the people within your business allow you to diversify what you're offering be it mm you know, adding on arboricultural services to a, to a current business or, or selling something else um, alongside what you do as, as part of your core business. Mm. Um, and, and don't be afraid of change. You know, often people, you know, change is considered difficult. And, and yes, believe me, change is difficult. You know, it, it, it's difficult for everybody, but often it can, it can just change the direction of travel and bring back a spark in, in what you're doing so that you, you've got that new surge of energy to, to kind of grow the business. Brilliant. Amazing. So look up, look out. I've never heard that one before. That's great. Um, wonderful. So um, we're nearly done now, Alistair. I know you're a busy man, so I won't keep you too long. Um, if you could give one or two important golden nuggets to someone trying to build their business today, if there was just one or two, what would they be? Uh, so it's one, but it's got two relevances. Right. Understand the rhythm on the ground. Full of full of it today. Um, <laughs> your people will give you a good indication of how good your business is. Really? Wow. That, that's, you know, staff engagement. That's what they really think of leadership team, whether they really consider you to be authentic, because if, if they're not there, they're somewhere else. You know, that that's that's absolutely paramount. And of course, it applies to the supply chain and the and the client base. Yeah. Um, suppliers will soon talk about contractors being poor payers, um, and just as cash is key to your business, it's also key to your supply chain. Um, so that's of paramount importance. And you know, clients talk; it's a very small world. Um, so you're as good as your last job, um, in my mind. So being well connected to that kind of environment at ground level um does enable you to react to you know those areas which are perhaps considered to be poor performance that need fixing 
Absolutely brilliant. So never be complacent, really. Always got to listen to your staff, listen to the people, look what's going on, you know, at the coalface and, and yeah, get, you, you, get feedback. Yeah, you, you've just well, mentioned one absolute key golden nugget, and that's listen. Mm. You know, that that is, you've got to have ears open and, and just stop, I guess, talking for a moment and, and just listen and, and compute to what's uh, what's going on. Yeah, because you can get quite, quite um, blinkered in a way. If you're in in the office and you're just speaking to people at management level or not really getting what's going on on the ground um you could be quite um naive really to to think that you know to think everything's okay and actually there's there's issues there but you're just sort of burying your head in the sand so i think yeah listen asking great questions listening to people don't be complacent get their feedback listen to what what they're telling you and um, then make a decision but um well, Alistair, there's been some really different different answers I've not had from anyone so far, and it, and it really does show you a real deep level and understanding and, and expertise in in all different facets of running a business. It's um, like I see there's there's a lot of experience in there, and it's been brilliant listening to you because you know I'm, I'm sort of, I made a whole page of notes here. I think, well, that's really good. That's really good. And, <laughs> and other people are going to benefit from your your knowledge, your expertise, your skills and experience. You know, whether it be people listening to this or people that I coach in the landscape industry. And in other industries, you know, a lot of these things are gen- like general general principles that yep. can be applied yep. to all companies. Um, but some really good, lots of great tangible stuff in there. So, um, I think we're done in time. Um, so that um, maybe if someone could get in touch with you, or if they want to talk to you, or or use your services in any way, shape, or form, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? So, um, um, all over social media handles, Alastair Bayford. Um, that's LinkedIn, Insta twitter and then email address alastair.bayford at mailim.co.uk there we go and there we are that's amazing thanks so much for your time Alistair. really really no problem really enjoyed it yeah i think a lot of people i think everyone's going to enjoy that there's so much great stuff in there um these podcasts are getting more and more popular i'm speaking to more and more people and and they are listening to all of them so they listen to one or two and then they go oh i've got done them all when are you doing another one (laughs) yeah no same here i've I've listened to one got captivated by it and and start been fascinated by the different approaches um individuals it's brilliant it's so good so many nice people always wanted to give like yourself um been a pleasure thanks for your time and uh i'll catch up with you at an event no doubt in the industry very soon absolutely yeah cheers nick Cheers, Alistair. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Grow Landscapers podcast. To get in touch and see how we can help you with your business by emailing nick at nickruddle.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.